Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Music for a Book podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Britt. And I'm Hannah. If you're new here, every two weeks we review a book and assign a song, draw the parallels between the two of them, and just kind of chat and have fun. So welcome to our second episode. Woo! So this week we read The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. Um, So how the episode will work is we will go over a little bit of themes and warnings. Um, We will reveal our song choices. And then we will go into a not-spoiler-free zone and do a review of the book. Dear Reader... So this is our Dear Reader segment, and this is where we're just going to go over general warnings and a general synopsis for the book. This is spoiler-free, so if you have not read the book, you are safe here. You will not be safe shortly, though. (laughs) All right, so for The Lost Apothecary, we always like to start with some trigger warnings. Um, There is some death, murder, suicide, infidelity... Um, pregnancy, loss, and a little bit of that. And the general synopsis of the book is, um, it takes place in the depths of 18th century London. So there's a secret apothecary shop that caters to the needs of women. And those needs, you know, tend to be poisoning their men in their life, husbands, family, relatives, And this is run by a woman named Nella, and it details her past. And the story alternates between three perspectives from Nella in The Lost Apothecary, Carolyn in present day, and also a young girl named Eliza who ends up seeking out Nella for her mistress that she is a housekeeper for. And over time, it kind of intersects the history And how Caroline kind of uncovers the hidden depths of the lost apothecary and how it parallels to her current everyday life. So there's a lot of secrets, a lot of back and forth, a lot of mysteries to unravel and a lot of ancient kind of history tied in to London with some present day challenges, struggles, relationship issues all tied together. A forgotten history, a secret network of women, a legacy of poison and revenge. Welcome to the Lost Apothecary. Now we go into my favorite part is our song reveal. Um, So if you were with us last episode, um, Britt and I chose the same exact song. So we will see if it happens again. Yes, and (laughs) for those that also were not with us for the first episode, we do not discuss the books at all until we record so we just choose the book we let us know we let each other know what the progress is on how we've read it but we don't discuss any of the review we don't discuss our songs anything so these are live in the moment reactions yes and as you probably remember from last episode we are heavily in our taylor swift era Woo! just forewarning just bear with us also um this episode will come out later but Happy Speak Now Taylor's version. Yes, I'm wearing purple today, so I do have my purple nails on, and I was wearing my friendship bracelets earlier today. Perfect, beautiful. All right, right. Britt, you want to go first? Yes. So I have, of course, chosen a Taylor Swift song. 
And I really struggled with my song choice this week. I don't know. I oscillated between a few, but I ended up landing on Carolina. Ooh. Yes. Okay. I like it. All right. Mine, also Taylor Swift song, is Mad Woman. Okay. That was on my list. (laughs) I didn't even, Carolina wasn't even, I didn't even think of that. Yep. I like it. Beautiful. So we have two different songs this week. Amazing. Yeah, look at us. <laughs> look at us go. <laughs> All right. So we are going to move in to the not spoiler free section of the podcast. So if you don't want this book spoiled for you, if you don't want a review of the book, this is your chance to get out. This is your chance to leave. Pause now. Come back to us once you've read the book. Um, so we don't ruin anything for you because our review is going to bear it all. 100%. So last chance, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is it. Back out now. <laughs> Spoilers ahead. The Lost Apothecary starts us out with a map of old London. So it's circa 1791. And it shows us a few places that are crucial to the plot of the story or are supposedly crucial to the plot of the story. (laughs) Um, I really thought I was going to reference this more than I actually did. I put a tab on it and I really don't think I looked one time, if I'm going to be honest. Um, But it does open with the map. There's 10 different places across. Um, The biggest one is Bear Alley. Uh, the Amwell Estate, the Clarence Estate, and then really those are the most important areas of this. And before the Mm -hmm. book gets started, it takes us to an ancient apothecary's oath. And this is what it says. I swear and promise before God, author and creator of all things, never to teach ungrateful persons or fools the secrets and mysteries of the trade, never to divulge the secrets confided to me, never to administer poisons, to disavow and shun as a pestilence the scandalous and pernicious practices of quacks, empirics, and alchemists, and to keep no stale or bad drug in my shop. May God continue to bless me so long as I continue to obey these things." And that brings us to chapter one. Yes. All right. So uh, the book opens up from Nella's perspective, um, and we're introduced to her in the beginning of February 1791. Um, In the third paragraph, she describes herself as not just an apothecary, but a murderer, a master of disguise, which kind of ties us back to the oath that we just read. Mm -hmm. You know, how can she be a murderer if the apothecary's oath says to never administer poisons? And Nella also reveals that she has not lived a waking hour without pain, that every poison she's dispensed brought a new wave of it upon her, that the killing and secret keeping is just tearing her away from the inside out. And after that brief introduction of Nella, we move into our second narrator, Caroline, which just says present day on Monday. And what we get from Caroline is immediately, I wasn't supposed to be in London alone. So we learn that Caroline was supposed to be on a celebratory anniversary trip with her husband and James, her husband was an ocean away because he decided to cheat on her, lie about it. And uh, now she's on a trip alone 
trying to find herself, trying to figure out what's going on. And what we learn about Caroline immediately off the bat is that she had put a lot of her life on the back burner. She studied a lot of history. She studied classic British novels. She loved everything about British history. That's what her degree was in. And she ended up putting it all on the back burner for a life of stability, love, and romance with James, who was a very level-headed man. And so as we get into her first kind of appearance, she is arriving in London, obviously disarrayed, obviously a little bit frazzled. And we kind of get the first hints of her trying to find something more out of this trip than just what was supposed to be a celebratory anniversary for them. When Caroline arrives in London, this was again supposed to be their 10th wedding anniversary. They, she's not only feeling the emptiness from the infidelity of the relationship, but she also mentions that they had been trying four months for a baby and she wants nothing more than to become a mother. So it wasn't just the earth shattering of the relationship crumbling. It was also the prospect of her having a child falling from her grip. And as she's getting settled into London, it pretty immediately she's walking the streets, getting everything ready. And she runs into this man named bachelor elf and he mentions that they have a mudlarking adventure and she's more than welcome to join mudlarkers scrounge the river for something old something valuable when the tide comes in the tide goes out seeing if they can uncover the mysteries and the secrets of old london as we're nearing the end of the chapter and we just get to know caroline she starts immediately dusting off her dreams and heads toward that group to see if she can uncover something and maybe find a little bit of herself along the way So then we jump back to Nella's perspective um, and we find out that the apothecary shop that she runs used to be run by her mother. Uh, Used to be a reputable um, women's apothecary um, with very much a sense of warmth and safety. Um, Back in that day, everybody in London knew about the shop um, for women and it was just a very positive experience for everybody. Now in the present day, Um, We learn that Nella has been, as we know, she's been administering poisons, um, but she has turned her storage room in back alley into a secret workroom and a storage room. So we find out that how she, uh, how women can request her services is they will write down on the, on a piece of paper, kind of what they need, who's requesting it, roll it up and put it in a barrel in the front of the storage room. And then Nella will read it, kind of discover what type of poison to administer for the situation. And then when that time comes, they will arrive and the deal will be done. So she is preparing for the arrival of a note that said, For my mistress's husband with his breakfast, daybreak, 4th of February. When the door opens to the apothecary, none other than little Eliza walks in. And Nella thought, is this a mistake? Like, is this the person that actually left the note? Because usually the people that are coming in are, you know, women a little bit older, not really aged 12 to 13. But soon she realizes that, no, this was the person that left the note because she is very sure of herself when she enters that room. 
Nella lets her in the secret door um, behind the shop. Eliza, you know, is very curious, looking around, asking about different things. Um, Nella did offer her some tea, some brew, and Eliza was a little bit skeptical of, you know, this tea because she says, well, my mistress told me that you sell poison. And I was like, there's no poison in this. There's no poison in a lot of the things that I sell. Not everything in the shop is poison. And the poison is reserved for those who, you know, are deserving of it. And the dose also will make the poison. You know, she gets a little bit more comfortable. Eliza also notices a lot, you know, with Nella, right? Like how she might be in pain. What is she warming up? So we kind of start seeing this maybe budding friendship. I don't think a lot of people question and want to know about Nella the way that Eliza is talking to her. And then Nella also wants to make sure that Eliza realizes that this will kill her mistress's husband, that it's not going to just make him ill, that he will die from this given her to give him. And here Nella does advise her on how to administer the poison to make sure that it is not obvious as to what has happened. So how to prepare the eggs that the poison is in and how to determine whether the poisonous eggs versus the real eggs. We then pop back over to Caroline, who is our present-day narrator again. She is now with the Mudlarking group, and she's trying to figure out exactly what to do if this is just to distract her. She seems kind of almost annoyed by the whole thing because you do have to get your feet wet. You're wearing these heavy kind of gross gloves. And she asks if they're supposed to be searching for something. Here, the River Thames runs straight through the city of London. So it's said that little remnants of the history dating all the way back to the Roman era can be found right here if you go searching for long enough. So people have found things like coins, pottery, all of this stuff. You know, she's sifting through and she's like, what am I supposed to be looking for? It turns out that Bachelor Elf explains that here you're not necessarily looking for something. You're almost looking for the absence of something or something where you just trust your instincts that something looks out of place. And this theme kind of ties back in a little bit later. But at this point, she's not necessarily finding anything. She gives herself a specific timeline for, you know, if I don't find anything in the next 12 minutes, I'm just going to move on, go to the hotel, call it a wash and be good to go from there. Yeah, because they just go more in depth about how to, you know, administer the poison correctly, make sure she can tell the difference between, you know, the poisonous egg um, and the not poisonous egg, which is how uh, Nella put together on how to properly poison Mr. Amwell. And Nella asked Eliza what the name of the person that will be getting the poison is um, so she can log it into her register. And Eliza parts um, with the poison ready to go safely um, and just, you know, thanks Miss Nella for um, her help and that she loved her tea and that hopes they meet again. So then we come back to Miss Caroline and she is still in the depths of that water mudlarking and she, again, had set that time limit for herself, so she notices something. There's a tiny little bottle, a little vial, that was about five inches tall, and she managed to kind of dig it out, and it had a small animal etched into it, and it was definitely hand-etched. They couldn't really make it out, but they thought that it might potentially be like a bear or something along those lines. 
And, you know, this is a part of Caroline that she had repressed for so many years. And with the stability of James, she lost her love to research. She ended up working on her parents' farm. Um, you know, she just kind of gave up on her goals to make sure that they would be able to build a stable family together. So she's asking Bachelor Elf, Elf, not Elf, Elf. Oh my God, my Michigan accent. (laughs) Bachelor Elf, you know, where she might go to figure out what's going on with this file. You know, he said you could go to a hobbyist, a collector, and he ends up sending her to someone in the British library. And her name is Gaynor. She goes up to Gaynor, who works in the maps room. Or she goes, hi, I'm looking for Gaynor. She goes, I'm Gaynor. How can I help you? She sees that she's in the middle of a bunch of maps. She goes, don't even worry. These maps are 150 years old. Nothing's going to change on them. And she shows her the vial and says, hey, led by someone named Alf. He told me to come see you. Do you know him? And we find out that Gaynor is actually Alf's daughter. So she really has no idea what to do with this vial, but I think Bachelor Alf was just so excited to send someone who was interested in British history to his daughter. That's where she goes, and Gaynor asks Caroline if she's a historian or a researcher, to which she replies, not professionally. So, you know, this is kind of the start of a small friendship while Caroline's on her very short trip to London. You know, maybe we can figure out some things about this vial, and maybe we can figure out some, uncover some lost secrets. This has to mean more. She feels very attached to this small blue vial for some reason. But then we have our first chapter from Eliza's perspective. It starts off by her saying she has a pain in her belly unlike any she has felt before. So we assume that she's maybe a little bit nervous or hesitant to um, administer the poison to her mistress's husband. But she also says that, you know, as she tightened the jar with eggs in a little more tightly, she became a little bit more brave. In this chapter as well, we learn how Eliza came to be a servant at the Amwell residence. So about two years ago, her mother did take her to the servant's registry office and was hoping that she would get picked up by a good family. And that's when Miss Amwell met Eliza and took a liking to her and decided that she would be the perfect um, person to add to their staff. So once arriving at the house, Miss Amwell still favored um, Eliza, would bring her to her office, her private quarters, and help her write and read because Miss Amwell was a little shaky, couldn't really write as much as well as she used to be able to. So she had Eliza to help her with that. Other servants did get jealous because they, you know, had to do normal servant stuff while Eliza got to, you know, seem like she had special treatment from Miss Amwell. As Eliza grew up, she noticed that Mr. she was catching the gaze of Mr. Amwell. Mrs. Amwell could notice that too. Then we fast forward a little bit and we discover that Miss Amwell has intentions to kill her husband. Miss Amwell pulls Eliza aside. This is when Miss Amwell reveals to Eliza about the hidden apothecary shop. And they develop a plan to leave the note so they can get poison to administer to Mr. Amwell. Eliza, you know, is w- curious, but she doesn't really ask her mistress why she meant to harm her husband because she does suspect that it could be 
um, maybe something that happened a month ago that Eliza remembered. Miss Amwell was not at the estate, and Eliza was left some duties to organize a pile of um, Miss Amwell's letters, and she just had a headache that was unbearable. Mr. Amwell did stumble upon her, um, noticed that Eliza had tears on her cheeks, um, and offered her a drink to kind of help. Um, it was a honey-colored liquid. She compared it to the brandy that her mistress sometimes sipped at, but just could not understand why somebody would drink that. Eliza drinks the liquid that Mr. Amwell gave her. We know that it's probably whiskey. Uh, she falls asleep and then she's awoken by um, her mistress's touch and just to um, check on her. And when she awakes, Miss Amwell does ask if she has any dreams. And Eliza shakes her head, but something does come to mind about Mr. Amwell being in her room, like sitting down and approaching her his hand on her stomach and they began to talk. She doesn't remember anything that they really talked about or anything like that. Eliza does admit this story to her mistress, but she admitted that she doesn't know if this was a dream or if it was real. And then Eliza prepares the eggs and is ready to administer the poison to Mr. Amwell. And then that takes us back to Caroline. And through these first probably nine or ten chapters. This gives us kind of the setup for the rest of the book. So in Caroline's chapter, she wakes up and she ends up getting violently ill. And her first thought is, you know, food poisoning in a foreign country. And then she kind of pauses and is like, or is this something else? And this kind of starts the concern that maybe she actually might be pregnant with her husband's child, the same husband that just cheated on her. And she's now alone on their 10 year anniversary trip in London, you know, kind of just felt like a sick joke and she wasn't really able to sleep again. So she went on the website for the British library. She saw that there was a small database. And so she started looking for a few details about this vial that she had found because it really just truly sparked her interest. So she put in vile and then bear. Again, there was that little animal etching on there that looked very similar to a bear. There was a bunch of stuff that kind of appeared, but she's starting to look a little bit deeper into her search results, looking, you had to register at the library, all of that fun stuff, but several sample pages were able to be pulled up. They had been digitized. It had been she said about 10 years since she had done any of this. I feel like this research is something that kind of lit her soul on fire. She just found so much passion in it. And it was like she was slowly peeling away the years of kind of what we said earlier, the years of dust that had collected on her and her dreams of the history, the research, because, you know, she was told by James several times that it was fruitless. She needed to do something stable to make sure that they had a family. So she had a call come through while she was doing this from Minneapolis. She didn't know anyone from Minnesota, so she declined the call. When she started pulling things up again about the vial and the bear, there was an image of a short handwritten note that caught her eye. It was dated the 22nd of October, 1816. To men amaze, I could have showed them all they'd wish to see at Bear Alley, that a killer need not lift her long, delicate hand. She need not touch him as he dies. There are other wiser ways, vials and victuals. The apothecary was a friend to all of us women, the brewer of our secret. The men are dead because of us. Only it did not happen as I intended. It was not her fault, the apothecary. It was not even mine. I lay blame unto my husband in his thirst for that which was not meant for him. 
she started reeling over this information. Bear Alley is really what caught her mind. So she started researching a little bit more, seeing if it was close by, and she realized it was a 10-minute walk or even less from her hotel. So she's getting ready. You know, it was it wasn't even sunrise yet because she had woken up and gotten sick. So she was waiting for the sun to rise. She was, you know, just getting really excited, hyping herself up. And then unfortunately, she checked her email and something came through that said, try calling from MSP. I can hardly breathe, Caroline. The other half of my heart is in London. Must see you. I'm about to board for Heathrow. I land at 9 a.m. your time. We'll take a bit to get through customs. Meet at the hotel 11-ish. She had asked James for solitude, for privacy, for space, and he decided that no, he was going to come surprise her and they were going to work it out. She could not sleep after this, so she waited until the sun rose to pop over to Bear Alley before James landed so she could continue this adventure that she was having. And that's where we kind of leave off with Carolyn waiting to see what's next of this adventure. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we jump to Eliza and we are counting the minutes um, between when the poison is administered and ingested to um, the last minutes of Mr. Amwell's life. Um, while we are waiting for the inevitable to happen, um, Eliza does reveal that um, recently she's had a fear of spirits. And one of the things that she is fearful of with poisoning Mr. Amwell is that his ghost and his spirit might come back and haunt her. You know, earlier we said that she was brave about some things, but the poison itself didn't scare her. But unchained angry spirits um, did freak her out and she was nervous that that could be something that could happen. I mean, honestly, same girl. Right? <laughs> Less concerned about the rat poison and the egg yolk, more concerned about an eternity a of a spirit haunt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then it's happening. So Mr. Amwell asks Eliza, like, what was in the gravy? Like, he's got a furious thirst um, and is, like, clutching his throat and just really kind of you can tell he's not starting to feel well. He snaps at Mrs. Amwell and just says his mouth is on fire. Did she use a pepper? And he shoves the plate away. His chair tumbles to the floor and he just says he's going to be sick and to take it away. So he rushes upstairs and just starts getting sick. So fast forward, Mr. Amwell dies. And we do know that Mr. Amwell did have a drinking history. So, you know, in this time in the 1790s, right? Like autopsies weren't as good as they are now. They can't detect as much. So really the physicians, you know, could have been another episode with his drinking or something with that. So it didn't look suspicious really that it was something that um, could have happened there. And then it is revealed that it sounds like Eliza might have had her first period, uh, but she actually associates this with Mr. Amwell's spirit coming to haunt her. So, yeah, there's that. That's flashback to the 1790s, you know? And no one tells this poor girl. No, no one tells the her. The whole time. The whole time. You know, she said, Mrs. Amwell was like, it is as natural as the moon, but doesn't actually tell her anything beyond that. So now this poor girl thinks that the angry spirit of the man she just killed has now inhabited her uterus. Poor Eliza. All right. And then we jump back to Nella, where we are revealed the next 
person that we are going to administer the poison. And this is when, like, things start happening, I would say. Yes. Like, finally, 83 pages in, this is, this is it. And so this next note, and this is where kind of everything, dominoes start falling. Footmen found them together in the gatehouse. We've a gathering in two days, and she will be in attendance. Perchance you have something to incite lust. I will come to your shop tomorrow at ten. Oh, to die in the arms of a lover as I lie alone, waiting. The corridor is silent. So Nella decides to do a poison where she has to find all these beetles, crush them up, heat them. It's a long process. Turns them into a powder. And while Nella prepares it the next day, ready for um, Lady Clarence to come, Eliza shows up. <laughs> at the shop, you know, very fearful of obviously Mr. Amwell's ghost coming to haunt her. Then Lady Clarence arrives and it's revealed that Lady Clarence does not want to actually kill her husband. Who does she want to kill, Britt? She wants to kill her husband's mistress who also happens to be his cousin. Oh, incest. No, thank you. We love, <laughs> we love late 1700s yes. incestual family drama. Um, <laughs> and this upsets Nella because she is very much like, you know, vengeful like i said mad woman right she's a mad woman she's she is still the protector of women so she's like you know i'm not gonna administer this poison for you to kill another woman like why aren't you killing the husband you know lady clarence wants to wants a baby wants that still so they fight they argue the poison ends up getting spilled everywhere and lady clarence threatens to out nella um and her whole hidden apothecary shop unless she makes another poison by the next day yep and this is like the reason that Nella has always said that she doesn't dabble with the wealthy is because of the power that they hold and that they wield. And Nella has this register of every poison that she's ever administered. Because she wants to, you know, it's the only chance that, you know, these women might be written down and recorded because history just tends to forget women. Mm hmm. <laughs> with Nella and Eliza, um, you know, Nella, like, freaks out because she, like, weighs the options, right? Like, do I make this poison again or do I, you know, risk being exposed? Um, her and Eliza end up making the poison. They venture to this field, count hundreds of beetles, sleep in a barn, and then walk their way back to make this poison specifically the way it needs to be so it's potent enough and they don't end up poisoning themselves either. And then they wait for Lady Clarence. Yeah to arrive and in the meantime well miss caroline is researching this lost apothecary and just happens to stumble upon a door in a back alley through a bush thanks to a gust of wind <laughs> and i don't know there's i have a lot of feelings about this book i really do and i feel like i had such high hopes like I, I just don't know. This is the point in the book where I started to lose steam and I was only a hundred pages in and I feel like that's not okay. <laughs> like, it's hard because I, like, I like the idea of the story. Yes. I think it had a lot of potential, but I just feel like it was very drawn out. Yeah. Like, for like, look at this. What look at the cover. Be. Look at this. Look how beautiful that is. This? Yes. No. Absolutely not. Like, yeah. And then, because I just feel like, you know, Caroline, you know, walks to the alley, finds it. Then she walks back. James arrives. And it's like, just, 
You know, I just she's not happy to see James. No, and it's like, just like trouble in paradise, relationship drama. Um, yep. You know, she's going back to Gaynor, trying to figure out this apothecary stuff. They're looking at maps and uncovering this lost city and. I don't know. I feel like, and we kind of touched on this as we were, you know, planning out earlier, but I feel like this book could have been 80 to 100 pages shorter. And still gotten the point across. I think I would have really enjoyed it if it was a shorter book. Um, But it it just, a lot of things were like dragged on a lot. And, you know, so... You know, Caroline's doing her thing, modern day, trying to research this vial. Um, James enters the picture. And, you know, I just, I don't have any respect for James. Like, I mean, the last episode, right? Like, I'm not a fan of cheating or cheaters at all. (laughs) And so James is not high on my list. And, you know, so I understand where Nella's coming from. And later in the book, too, it's revealed, you know, how... Um, Nella came to switch from like, you know, being this reputable apothecary shop to now administering poison for women. You guys, we're going to be honest here. We're struggling. We are struggling to talk about this book. Um, and I think it's because there are so many little pockets of like wonderful prose and so many interesting details that Nella and Eliza have that when we come back to Caroline, Maybe it's just me. I just don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care about what happens to Caroline. And I think it's just how she was written and how she was set up in the book. Yeah. And it's hard because, like, I guess to a point, like, I do almost relate to Caroline, like, being in a relationship. But, like, yeah, I'm happy in my relationship. <laughs> um, but, like... <laughs> You know, thinking about more so for, um, you know, she went to college for, like, you know, history. I went to school for religious studies, and I haven't used that. So, like, Mm -hmm. I do, like, bond with her in that sense. Yeah. But I just think there's a time and a place for it, and I just don't... I don't see that going... I don't know. Yeah, and so... I, you know, as I was reading, I was kind of writing down notes, and... I even, like, I even said I'm on page 170 and I am truly so, so bored. Like, yes, I feel like Hannah said it earlier, too, that so much happens, but also nothing happens simultaneously. I almost wonder if this book would have been better to listen to, like, listen to an audiobook and, like, have, like, Nella, Eliza, and Caroline, like, tell their story. Yeah. You know, maybe listening to it. Um, I think it would make a really great movie or show as well. Like, I think the story could be developed so much. A hundred percent. I feel like like a limited series on like HBO. Mm-hmm. Like a 10 episode series or something. Yeah, because it's not that the writing's bad. Like no. Sarah Penner is not a bad author, but it just did not hold my attention Mm-mm. as much as how I was excited for it. Um yeah. But, like, to jump ahead to the biggest spoilers, guys, Lady Clarence, the poison actually doesn't work on her intended victim, okay? It works on her husband, so her husband ends up dying. And then, once again, like Brittany said, right, like, that's why Nella does not involve with the wealthy, because 
they start investigating his death and you know the freaking housemaid that um helped administer the poison is sneaky you know yeah. she took an etching of the vial and turned it into the police it's in the paper you know and nella's you know castles come crumbling down yep and she's a nice reference i love that thanks <laughs> glad you picked it up <laughs> you know she Lady Clarence was originally so horrified at how Nella reacted, but now she understands the kind of horror of everything. And as we're moving forward too, Eliza has stayed with Nella through this because Mrs. Amwell went on like a holiday, a trip away to visit family. So she's not at the, the estate. She's in this tiny little hidden shop with Nella this entire time. And just as Eliza had started to help Mrs. Amwell with her penmanship, she started to kind of do the same things for Nella. Unfortunately, the timing of this couldn't have been any worse because Eliza then starts to become implicated in the things that have been happening with Nella and with Lady Clarence. So the housemaid for Lady Clarence um, took like a etching of the bottle. And so it's, it's tied together that this new poison that Nella and Eliza were working on, Eliza, you know, Nella began to trust Eliza. Like they, you know, created this bond that Eliza grabbed a bottle that actually had the address on the side. So it was just a matter of time till somebody read the paper, saw the etching and tied um, Bear Alley, you know, to this poison. It was like three beat, like it wasn't a full etching, but it was enough to go off of basically. Mm-hmm. And also while this is happening, Caroline and James are fighting. He's sleeping on the couch. Get rid of him. Run him over with your car. I don't know. Just be done with him. He's just a boy. <laughs> Hit him with your car. <laughs> um, so she, she just let's you guys listen like 200 pages past where we just did all that caroline somehow rediscovers the lost apothecary she hops a fence she commits a crime she looks at this door that she somehow saw in the breeze on an alley and she goes in and somehow in modern present day her phone's flashlight drains the battery in like 37 seconds i'm like girl how can you be in a foreign country with that low of a battery like there's no way but also, There's like, no way. it doesn't drain it that fast. No. Like, that's, no. Unless she was in there for an undescript, like, undisclosed amount of time, it felt like every three steps her battery drained by 17%. And I'm like, girlfriend is just, she's just, she has this. That's that's literally all she has. Yeah. And, and she's taking she, pictures. Like, she's not streaming yeah. something or talking to anybody. She's not on TikTok Live asking for people to send her money as she uncovers the dark secrets of London. Yeah, live streaming. <laughs> hey guys, watch me break into this lost apothecary. <laughs> Send me money for my bail. <laughs> like, so Caroline on the loose. She goes in and she realizes that it's like back alley and not bear alley. They're the same thing, essentially. So she gets in this door and inside is the front of the apothecary that has the wooden cupboard, the barrel. And because, you know, Caroline is just Nancy Drew on Super Sleuth, um, (laughs) she's no longer a junior detective, she can realize that as she pops the door open, (laughs) 
Just side <laughs> note, Brittany and I love to play Nancy Drew, too. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, so if anyone out there is a Nancy Drew stan, did you see they're making in the new one? No. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. No, they're currently making one that's set in Prague. I'm very excited. It's supposed to come out later this year. I still love the final scene. It's still my favorite one. I The final scene is so good. I loved... Um, the Phantom of Venice was really good. Mm. I loved the haunting of any of the haunting ones, like the haunting of Castle Malloy. Um, no, I just love, we love Nancy Drew. Um, yes. <laughs> anyway, so Caroline is Nancy Drew, um, really just on her latest adventure. Except, you know, James is no Ned. Ned is number one. We love Ned. Yes. Um, so she's in this apothecary shop that she discovers. She sees like this register. She finds the vials that match. She uncovers the city of Atlantis and she really just (laughs) (laughs) she takes pictures. You know, she's she's very proud of herself. They're blurry because it's in like a dusty room that hasn't been opened since the 1800s and She's like taking pictures of this register, and again, her bat. You guys, her battery. It is said like thirteen times how fast her battery is draining, and like she's like, "Oh, I'll leave at three percent." Like, in what worlds do you leave when your battery is at three percent? Right. I don't. And like, my girl, did not you are alone in a foreign country. Like. You just committed a crime by hopping over a fence that said no trespassing. And meanwhile, her cheating husband is laying on a couch in their hotel room. Seriously. Trying to win her back. So this is all happening simultaneously. Also, not at the same time, but also at the same time across the course of like three days. And it's just, you guys, I wanted to like this book so much more than I did. I really did. And the more that I'm talking about it, the more I want to lower my rating. (laughs) I know. It's so hard. But, all right, let's fast forward to James and Caroline. Um, So, Caroline, like, you know, goes back to the hotel, takes some notes on, like, the different things that she, like, saw in in her pictures. So, um, obviously, we know that it's tied together, right? So, the, the apothecary shop she found is Nella's old shop. So she, the pictures she took are of the um, the book where Nella recorded all of her poison she administered, um, and James wakes up or James decides he's gonna go on a solo tour of like the Tower of London or something, um, but then he like quickly comes back and says like, "Oh, I feel sick." Oh, can we just mention real quick on a sidebar that Caroline had an itinerary to want to do these things to want to go see the Tower of London and James is like we're not doing any of your icky historical shit when we're here we're here to enjoy our anniversary after he leaves though she furiously gets onto her phone that is now fully charged thank god and starts to look through all of her pictures um, of the register the shots of the room um, everything is crusty and dusty because, you know, it's hundreds of years old and she cracked open the thing. She studied all the pictures and she started zooming in and she was in utter disbelief of what it was. And it was Nella's register that she had found. Some of it was, you know, kind of erased from 
time, but it said they may have been written in a foreign language. It says, you know, certain lozenges. She started to uncover some of these registers and, you know, raspberry leaves, tobacco, um, nothing dangerous about them, but she, you know, had heard that nicotine was toxic in large amounts. So perhaps it was the quantity of the non-poison that proved deadly. And um, some of them were tinctures and things like that. And so she grabbed her pen and a little notebook and she started writing things down. So things like quantities of non-poisons <laughs> needed to kill. Opium, lozenge, tobacco, oil, envy tincture. What is envy? So she starts writing away and nightshade, wolfsbane, all of this other stuff. You know, she gasped as she looked to the next page of the register and found a word that she knew without a doubt was deadly. And that was arsenic. Done. So she wrote that down, put a little star next to it. She was trying to, she was just trying to decipher a few things when suddenly she heard a noise from outside. And who comes back? Our boy James. James. Yep. James comes back and, you know, really isn't feeling well now. Mm -mm. Um, Does ask Caroline for some privacy, which she, you know, acknowledges because she knows that he doesn't like getting sick in front of other people, not even her. Um, And she says, you know, I'll just be at the cafe around the corner and just call me. Um, so she lets him kind of do his thing and get sick and she goes to the cafe and um, meets up with Gaynor. Yep. And uh, Gaynor brings her some manuscripts, some documents about an apothecary killer. And at some point, you guys, Eliza goes into this little bookshop after Nella kicks her out for like the 14th time. And she meets this little boy and her heart flutters real cute. She gets a book of magic that's supposedly real. That's important at some yep. point. Yeah, it'll come in. It'll, it'll tie in later. It'll tie together. Don't worry. Everything ties together. Yes, it does. Um, so then we jump back and, you know, Nella and Eliza are trying to figure out, like, what to do, right? Nella's like, you know, I'm just going to be caught. Whatever. I'm going to disappear. Like, it'll be fine. Eliza, you need to get out of here. And what does Eliza do? Eliza goes to Lady Clarence's. <laughs> yeah, because let's definitely go to the scene of the crime where there's an active investigation. Yeah. And of course the investigators are there. Like there's a ton of people at that um, estate. We assume that probably somebody followed Eliza back and they were discovered. So Nella and Eliza start running through the city. Before they start running, Eliza had grabbed like that book of magic. And when Nella wasn't there, she was making these like magical recipes and tinctures that were in this book that Nella did not own because she thought that it would reverse all of the bad that had happened to her and it would um, remove Mr. Amwell's evil spirit from her body. Yep. So Eliza was made those, carrying those with her, and they are running through the city trying to escape capture. They try to hide in a stable. They're found. They're running. They're running. They're running. And then they come up to a bridge. You know, there's really no other option. So Eliza puts one hand on the railing And in her other hand, she clutches one of the little vials. And she lifted it to her lips. And she looks at Nella and says, it will save me. Her fingers, one by one, slid from the railings like ribbons. And Eliza disappears into the water. 
of the guys that were chasing them. Or look at Nella that is still standing there and trying to figure out who's the other person that was with her. They can't really tell or decide and Noah kind of has this like torn feeling, right? Like, do I jump too? Like, is this over? You know, but then she realizes like she doesn't want Eliza to have died for nothing. Um, yeah. If they both die, then nothing will be recorded or, you know, Nella's big thing was writing down these women in history. Um, so just making sure that Eliza's memory kind of carried on. Yeah. And another thing too was the reason that they didn't actually like capture Nella as that was happening was because she was truly so frail and so weak that they could not possibly believe that she had just outrun them for that long because she really was being pretty much eaten alive from the inside out by what we can imagine was just disease or you know some sort of disorder of the times but for her it was mm -hmm. you know like a karmic every wrongdoing that she had done to others was coming out in a physical way in herself so they took one look at her and they were like you that's not her there's no way and then we jumped to caroline and gainer at the cafe where they kind of go into the manuscripts a little bit more mm -hmm. then james calls her and needs her to come back yep and this happens technically in the book before Eliza jumps, but honestly, they don't really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, the timing of everything, I don't... So, basically, Caroline comes back. James is, like, frothing at the mouth. There's blood. It's not good. So she calls an ambulance. They're getting him ready, taking him to the hospital, and they start searching the room. What, ha what, what do they find? When they search the room. Could it be those notes? Yeah, with like arsenic starred and quantity of non quantity of non poisons that would be considered poisonous. <laughs> so they take him to the hospital and uh, she's questioned by the authorities about what in God's name was she doing with all this research that seemed to coincide with her husband being poisoned. And while James was in the hospital, he happened to mention to the authorities or the nurse that they were not doing well. Like they were having some marital problems. James. Which then they were like, hi, so you were having marital problems. Your husband was poisoned. He's basically foaming at the mouth. He's nearing the end of his life. And you have starred arsenic poisons. How to do this discreetly. <laughs> Literally has notes on how to poison somebody. Straight and here up. her husband is poisoning himself. Bro, you guys, this man. So she calls up Gaynor. Gaynor comes up and she's like, Yes, we've been researching this project. This is all part of X, Y, and Z. I work at the British Library, all of this stuff. And they, you know, they finally release her because when James wakes up, he's not going to press charges. But this is my thing. I just yeah. still don't understand. Like, so what if she was researching it for a project? Like, she could still be researching it for her husband, too. Like, I didn't understand why, like, her clearing her name was calling Gaynor. Yeah. I'm like, you could have been researching it for this reason too like i don't know <laughs> yeah like that could have been like a big ruse and a big cover-up yeah so she's like gainer will save me she knows what's going on so gainer talks to the authorities and ultimately they do drop it because james drops it mm -hmm. but you know Caroline goes in to talk to James after he's woken up because he was unconscious for a period of time or slipping in and out of consciousness, one of the two. She, They go in 
and James says something a little a little bewildering. I was a little concerned. So she's in there talking to James. And basically she's like, you know, I intend to file for a separation after he's conscious and awake. And he's like, I can't believe it. You know, on my deathbed, he mumbled. And a moment later, no matter what I do, he broke off and the rest of the sentence was unintelligible. And she said, what do you mean, no matter what you do? And he goes, nothing. I just need time. This is a lot to take in. And she had this like weird feeling that something wasn't right. Then she thought back to the... A vial of eucalyptus oil that had a toxic warning label on the outside and she goes james did you ingest the oil on purpose instead of saying yes or no he just is like you don't know what you're throwing away caroline you're throwing away this marriage that we've built up because i cheated on you with another person and then tried to poison myself so you would see me on my deathbed and then want to come crawling back to me like james no she doesn't care enough <laughs> like you don't like, care enough bro And she's like, you didn't answer the question. Like, did you poison yourself? And he's like, what does it matter? Everything I do pisses you off. Like, bro, this man intentionally poisoned himself. Men will do everything but not cheat on their partners. Right? Like, you're the one that messed up, sir. (laughs) Excuse me? And then this man tries to blame Caroline for putting her dreams on the back burner he's like you're the one who took the job at your parents farm you're the one who didn't want to get it like who ripped Uh, up the application to cambridge you're the one who did this i know i was like i'm like come on james and realistically like i'm trying to think of this in like real terms too i don't think like if i was caroline i don't think james would have actually flown to london no Like, in a realistic situation, like, I don't think he was that upset. No. (laughs) He was upset that he got, he was upset that he got caught. Yes. But, like, for the line that was, like, you know, half of my heart's in London, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see him flying there. So, like, that was an interesting, like, character arc for me, because I was just, like, I don't, I don't think he's mad that he's losing Caroline. I think he's mad that he got caught. Yeah, it's like he's trying to save face. The way that he handled himself, I just... Maybe that's what I didn't like about the whole situation. Because I didn't really put that together. But I did feel like Caroline's, like, whole storyline was a little bit contrived. A little too good to be true. A little, like... I don't know. I think I would have just preferred her staying in London without James poisoning himself. And I know that she felt like she had to tie in the poison from the apothecary to the poison here, but... Yeah. Which I did I did like that parallel, but I'm just at the same time, like... It would have made sense, like, more if they found... If she found out that he was cheating in London. Yes. Yes. Not before she left. Yeah. I think this is something that I wrote down, too. So, I feel like this book... Because you said you thought it might be better as an audiobook. And I had a similar thought where I actually feel like this book would have been better written in the perspective of like all past tense and then all present tense and then an alternating ending Mm -hmm. like we would have read all of caroline's story up until a certain point then we would have just jumped straight to eliza and nella moved through that then we would have gone back to caroline and then i just feel like that would the back and forth made it feel like almost too perfect and like everything lined up a little too well for me yeah no that's a good point is like almost kind of like how the housemaid was written in like you know the prologue part one two and then 
three and then the epilogue. Because yep. um, I think that's what it was missing, too, is, like, I would have liked to read, you know, from, like, when Nella was introduced, Eliza, Lady Clarence, and then, like, ended, like, with it going wrong, right? With Lady Clarence's husband, like, left me on a hanger there. Then let's yes. read about Caroline. Oh, she found the vial. Okay, it ties back to here. Ties back. Yeah, yes. no, I, yes, I, I could see that too. Cause like we said, it's not poorly written. No. It's just something about it. Like, yeah, I think it is the dual timelines, like back and forth. And then it would alternate between like Caroline, Nella, Eliza. And then sometimes it would go Nella, Eliza, Nella, Caroline, Eliza, Nella. Like, I just didn't. I just didn't love that. And the thing is, though, I loved some parts of this book. Like, mm-hmm. the sequence of them being found, of Nella and Eliza being found out and them running away. And the sequence of Eliza jumping over and, you know, Eliza had made these magic potions from this book in this store that she had found. And that was supposed to protect her. And, you know, I'm sure we're missing over a lot of key, like, skipping over a lot of key details here. But I think it's because, for me, this book felt so, like... I know it was a timeline that technically lined up, but I wrote down here, like, I was 210 pages in, and I think it was supposed to be ramping up, but I just didn't feel a super deep interest. And I said, I don't love the jumping narrator's timelines the way it was done. I think it would have been better as a split perspective and then joined at the end. And then I said, the last 60 to 70 pages did bring me back in. I felt like I anticipated and guessed most of the twists, though I did not guess James ingesting the poison on purpose. And I also had not really put two and two together that Lady Clarence's, like the letter from earlier was Lady Mm -hmm. Clarence's confession from her deathbed. But I think it's because that happened in chapter like two. Yeah, there was a lot of like things that I think could have left me hanging, but then it like just went to too many like... Yeah, like you said, like, narrators, like, back and forth, but... Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, so this chaotic episode is brought to you by The Lost Apothecary. Yeah, 100%. And basically, like, so Nella ends up back at the Amwell estate. Oh, yeah. And she's trying to, you know, get a resolution um, and get an ending. And she's really nearing kind of the last stages of her life at this point. And so... She gets to the Amwell's house. She gets to the residence. She wanted to write a letter to the fact that Eliza would not be returning to the estate because she had taken her own life when she jumped off that bridge. She was getting ready to drop the package and everything started to kind of go hazy around her. And that's when she noticed like a child kind of laughed by her. And she was like, something seems so real about it. Like her imagination must have been going wild is what she kind of thought. And she took a final glance up to the window. She noticed that a servant had spotted her because that's all she wanted was someone in that house to take the letter. So Mrs. Amwell would have a resolution to Eliza. But it wasn't just any servant. It was actually Eliza or the ghost of Eliza, she thought. She felt like the color around her returned like little Eliza with the bright youthful eyes I knew too well floating out of the house in my direction. So she tried to focus her vision and Eliza had a tiny vial in her hand. And she again thought this was her ghost and this was her spirit. And this was her way of being with her in her final moments as she was about to leave. You know, she reached up for the shadow, finding everything strange. But as she was reaching up for Eliza's ghost, her shadow, she felt as though she wasn't actually a ghost at all. And everything about her was just so lifelike. 
and everything about her just as I remembered in the moments before her death. And that's where we leave off with the last moments of Nella as her final narration. Which I just loved because like, yeah, I did love that part, you know, because I was so sad. I was like, what the heck? Eliza's just going to leave us like this? So circling back, um, Britt did say that the magic shop where Eliza got that book would come in handy. So the boy that she met there, you know, her heart was all a flutter. He said that Eliza could have this book for free, but she had to come back and tell him if, if the potion she made or the magic worked. Obviously, this magic worked, right? Because we see Eliza. What ends up happening to Eliza then? There was a British newspaper and she found information about Eliza Fanning. And there was an article that was published that said that Eliza Pepper, sole inheritor of Husband's Magic Bookshop. Aww. Throughout the entire book, Nella was very adamant that magic was not real and that Earth had provided these remedies and all of these things. But we come to find out that those vials that Eliza had made secretly behind Nella's back, she had taken one as she had jumped over the edge of the bridge into these icy waters where they never recovered her body and lived because there was no body to recover. She made it through. She said, um, you know, her and her husband owe their very lives to the magic arts. She was only a child. It was her first tincture, but she risked her life for a special friend, one who still encourages and counsels me to this very day. Aww. We come to find out, not only did the tincture and the potion that she made for herself work, but the vial that she was holding in her hand when Nella arrived at the Amwell's estate seemed to be an antidote for whatever illness had come over her. So it just kind of wraps up with a nice, neat little bow. They had owned the shop called the Blackfriar Shop of Magic Books and Baubles. And that's how we know what ended up happening with Eliza. And there were still some unknowns surrounding like the tincture, and obviously we don't have all of the the history and the books of everything but we you know move into Caroline kind of getting all of this last minute information and she pulled out the blue vial and she knew that had contained Eliza's magic tincture the one that had saved her as she had jumped over the bridge and she said the vial marked the end of one quest and the beginning of another the abandonment of secrets and pain in favor of embracing embracing the truth favor of embracing magic magic with its enchanting irresistible appeal just like a fairy tale so we find out that Caroline does end up going to Cambridge and she does Nella Clavenger's apothecary of poisons and so she ends up staying applying to Cambridge again staying in London, becoming good friends with Gaynor, and really diving headfirst into this research of the lost apothecary. Following her dreams, finally. Yes. So, um, that's how that ends. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's, that is, that's the lost apothecary. Yep, that is the lost apothecary. Yep. Thank God. Thank God that's done. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Um, to wrap up, should we tie our song to it? Yeah, I think it's time to talk about our songs. So we did not pick the same song this time, which I think is way more fun. Oh, we didn't. So yes. I'll start with mine. So I picked Carolina from Taylor Swift. I know this was technically written for another book. It was technically written for Where the Crawdads Sing. However, I felt like it really just kind of encompassed the overall like melancholy vibes of everything that was um, kind of talked about within the book. So it starts off by saying, Oh, Carolina Creek's running through my veins. Lost. I was born lonesome. I came lonesome. I'll always stay. And that's 
the first kind of hook that I was like, this felt like Nella to me. Mm-hmm. This felt like her, she could never leave this apothecary shop because of the buildup that she had had. And I don't know if we mentioned it a whole lot because honestly, like, like she was pregnant and then she lost her child and, you know, Eliza became kind of a child to Nella, but she still wanted to be alone and only Carolina knew her secrets. So only the secrets of the register, only the secrets that her body had held about these poisons that she had administered. That's why I ended up picking this song. It was just another part of it was you didn't see me here. They never did see me here. Um, No, you didn't see me here and they never saw me. So, you know, indicating that Nella was actually never found out in her lifetime because of Eliza's actions and because men are not as good as Nancy Drew super sleuths <laughs> and can't find secret hidden doors. There were so many good lines in this and I honestly hadn't considered this a song until I went through and like I wrote out a bunch of potentials and when I listened to it there was something that hit me about it. So I have one particular line that I felt like was the overall theme but again it said Oh, Carolina knows why for years they've said that I was guilty of sin and slept in a liar's bed, but the sleep comes fast and I'll meet no ghosts. It's between me, the sand and the sea. Carolina knows. Um, So that's kind of the end of the song. And I feel like that really genuinely encompasses the entire journey that Nella had of transforming her mom's apothecary shop into something a little more nefarious and the struggles that she went through. But my overall theme lyric that I had decided on was Carolina stains on the dress she left, indelible scars, pivotal marks, blue as the life she fled. Yeah, I like it. I like the, Thanks. I like the tie. Um, well, I chose Mad Woman. Mm-hmm. Um it was like the first one that came to my head actually. And that's why I was like, hopefully, I mean, you said it was on your list. So I was like, okay, it was because it, it kind of tied like both for me, like mad woman to me is like very much like, you know, one thing we didn't talk about in our review was why Nella started poisoning um, yes. these women. Yep. And so this gentleman enters her life and says that he needs a remedy for his sister. So Nella helps him and they beca- they start a relationship and, you know, Nella falls in love. She becomes pregnant. It's found out that he is actually married and he used some stuff from her apothecary shop and caused her to lose her baby. And then he leaves her with like nothing. So this is where her like kind of revenge and her, you know, it stems from, right? And so, like, Mad Woman makes me, like, think of her, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, nobody likes a Mad Woman, right? In the song, it says, the master of spin has a couple side flings. Good wives always know. So, like, his wife knew. She had a feeling. But one thing that, like, made me, like, really tie it together was just something simple as, like, Bear Alley. Because it's like, and you poke the bear till her claws come out. So, like, you know, with the apothecary shop being in, you know, Bear Alley, right? Back alley, Bear Alley. You know, for so long, it was there help women in like a very positive way and like it still is but now the claws are out so that's where I kind of was like hmm you know now her claws are out. Uh, I also liked you know how in the song it's like the line it's obvious that wanting me dead has really brought you two together which mm-hmm. like to me it's like um Mr. Amwell saying that you know like it's obvious that yeah. wanting me dead brought you two together to like Nella and Eliza <laughs> Yes. I was like, yep. You know, or just like anybody Nella has met, right? Like mm-hmm. the guy, like wanting that guy dead. And um, so just, you know, even from like Caroline's perspective, right? Like 
You know, yeah. nobody likes a mad woman, like, but she's like, you know, I'm still going to go to London. I'm going to do my thing and just kind of, you know, putting it in the past and kind of doing her own thing. Um, totally. And kind of not letting that like scathing feeling kind of come over her, um, you know, and because it's like the outro of the song is like, what a shame she went mad. And I don't think like neither one of them really felt that way, which I think is good, but mm-hmm. it kind of that like they could have been gaslit enough to um, become that mad woman um, yes. but they kind of their own avenue and um, what's that so yeah I love that song choice yeah I I don't know why I ended up skipping over it because I felt like we might pick the same song but there was just <laughs> something about Carolina that like spoke to me yeah I'm gonna have to re-listen to it yeah, those are our songs and that's how it kind of tied everything together so now I don't book ratings. Yeah, I mean, I can go first on this one. <laughs> you can go first. So, um, our book rating system, because again, we are, like we said, heavy in our Taylor Swift era. Um, we rate to the moon and to Saturn. So I rate in moons and Hannah rates in Saturns. So yes. what was your final book rating? All right. So my final rating is going to be two Saturns. Okay. Because I do see the potential. I liked the story. Just something about it didn't sit well in that, like, higher range. Um, But definitely two Saturns. Yep. I would recommend somebody to read it. I don't think I would reread it. But somebody that maybe just wants something simple to read. Like... Um, if you're really into but, like the historical fantasies, maybe. Yes. And honestly, maybe at some point we should just like try the audiobook to see if that fixes like the problems yeah. that we felt. We can just record it. We'll just record the audiobook. Yeah. Perfect. It'll be fine. <laughs> like n- nothing was chaotic in this episode. <laughs> um, so my final rating coming into the review, my final rating was three moons as we talked about the book and the more negative feelings that I had come up. I feel like I have to knock it to two and a half moons. Three is where I landed after I read it. But the more that we dissected the things that I didn't like, the more I realized that I just, it was a chore for me to get through this book. And especially in comparison to The Housemaid and then our next book that our next episode will be about, I flew, like I'm already done with our next book. I flew through it. And so I think that was almost a telltale sign for me that it just needed to be more interesting. <laughs> so much potential. Yeah, I think it could have been like a limited TV series or I don't know. I wanted to love it and I just didn't. Yeah. So guys, you know, we told you that we would be honest with our reviews and going through. Um, now I'm not saying there's book. There's only been probably like one book I've ever read in my life that I will say like, I wish I never read it. And this is not one of them. I'm like glad I read it. You know, it might have taken a while to get through it, but we are going to be honest with you and we hope that you stay with us through the good, the bad and the ugly. Exactly. And we both have, you know, very different tastes and rating systems. Like our last book, our ratings were very different, but we both ended up liking it. We like different things. And yeah, I'm definitely not mad that I read the book by any means. I liked a lot of the parts of it, but there was enough of the book that I didn't genuinely enjoy and I felt to be borderline unnecessary that just made me not love it. But I don't think it was a bad book. I think her writing is 
pretty spectacular, honestly. She has really good imagery. Just, I wanted it to be better. Yeah, and I think, too, Britt and I have talked about, like, how we can discuss books, like, in different ways. And I feel like, you know, there's an academic way to discuss a book, and there's a gossipy way. And if you could tell by this chaotic episode, too, once we started to talk more gossipy, it made kind of the book flow a little bit more and kind of go through the plot points. So, yeah. So here we are. That's how we felt about The Lost Apothecary. Um, I will say, because we don't discuss how we feel about the book, I can just tell you right now, though, I have a feeling that next one will not be as painful to get through. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Are we ready to reveal our next book? Yeah, let's reveal our next read. All right. So our next read, we read a thriller. We read a historical fantasy or historical fiction. Our next book is a romance. Ooh la la. That has been, I have seen this recommended every which way to Tuesday, up, down, TikTok, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Storygraph, Goodreads, the whole shebang. So our next book is Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez. Yes. So very excited about this. Yes. It moved up quickly on our list once we saw a lot of people talk about it. So we are excited to talk about it with y'all at our next episode. So if you haven't read The Lost Apothecary, um, based on our ratings, make your choice. If our spoilers and our gossiping about James, (laughs) James's stupidity uh, was enough for you. You know, that's fine. Yep. Um, But definitely pick up a copy of yours truly from your local library or anywhere, independent bookstore, anywhere books are sold and prepare to talk with us about the romance next episode. So we will see you guys in two weeks to talk about yours truly. Super excited. Be sure you follow us on TikTok, on Instagram. And we also have a Discord server, so that will be linked in our show notes. If you want to talk more in depth about your feelings on the book, give us your song ratings, just engage with our community. Yes, and suggestions. We're always open for suggestions on books. We, I mean, our list is endless, but we love um, recommendations for from our community. So please let us know what you're reading um, so we can read it with you. Beautiful. And then also... Um, after a couple days because we don't want to reveal our songs they will be added to our spotify playlist as well yes um so you can listen along and um kind of hear what we were thinking while we were picked our song yep so very excited guys to have that spotify playlist grow and to go through these episodes with you thank you so much for tuning in to music for a book podcast and we will catch you guys on the next episode see you later bye guys